You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. But I, I think this is actually the most clothes I've worn for a podcast since then. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> you should be thankful. <laughs> I, I really, really am counting my lucky stars today. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra, and joining me this week is Superfan Mike. I really had to stop. Just going to say you had to think about that for a sec. <laughs> Get it right. And How you are you? I'm doing well, you? I'm doing good, good. Just getting over a bit of a little uh, COVID thing, but otherwise good. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's new. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. It's Most of the people don't know about it, but, uh, you know, coming soon. Uh, I would definitely not recommend Zero Stars. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll take that uh, under account. Now, this is the first time I've actually recorded on a on a video. Oh, well, other than the live show when... Uh, right. When I beat Peter Diakowski in the Timbit <laughs> eating contest. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'd heard that. <laughs> But I, I think this is actually the most clothes I've worn for a podcast since then. Wow, so, uh, nice. <laughs> you should be thankful. <laughs> I, I really, really am counting my lucky stars today. <laughs> you can only see my upper body, so. That's true. <laughs> I'll take your word for the rest. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on making ends meet in Edmonton, Learn more at ecfoundation.org. In the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out podcast. All right, and Mike, one of the reasons I wanted you on the show this week is to kind of do a bit of a state of the Edmonton Elks. You're a part sure. of the Turf District podcast, and last, <laughs> last year was rough for the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. My my therapist would agree with you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a tough year. I mean, went to almost all the games. Ended up actually having to miss one at the very end just due to sickness, but not COVID at the time. Um, and, yeah, I didn't see a win at all wow. at home in person. And that's the first time I can ever say that. Wow. And you're a, well, you're a historian. Has that, yeah. has that happened in green and gold history? Never, no. Even Never. in our two and sixteen season, we won at home. So, well, Commonwealth uh, as a green and white fan, yeah, it's always been a terrible place to play. Hundred <laughs> percent, and it, and it has to be right. Your your home field needs to be hard for teams to play in, and uh, yeah, it certainly wasn't this last twenty twenty one. 
It's kind of wild because if I take myself back to last off season, there was a sense of optimism. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you had the guys on the TSN panel. Some of them were saying that Edmondson would be playing in the Grey Cup. Some even said they'd win. Yeah. It didn't quite turn out that way. Of course, they said I'd be 6'4 when I was a kid, and that didn't <laughs> turn out either, right? So, <laughs> Not only when it comes to you know what they had on the roster, but the general feeling. And I, I remember before the season started, unveiling the name, unveiling the logo. Right. It just felt like there was this buzz, and there was, a, I thought, a great crowd for the home opener against Ottawa. Right. And it was kind of a bummer game, and we, we kind of just chalked that up to no real off season, you know. No preseason, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they lost. It came down to the last play of the game, and little did we know that that was what was to come for Edmonton. But it was... It was almost the stuff that happened outside of the the sidelines, off the gridiron, that created a lot of ire within the Edmonton fan base. And it it seems like this offseason, there's all of a sudden this optimism again. Like, how do they keep this going, going into when they actually start playing games in, you know, six, eight weeks? Yeah, I think it was tough last year because there were certainly some unknowns that we're not having this season. Uh, number one was, of course, the first-time head coach last yeah. year uh, in, in uh, Jamie Elizondo. And now we've got a returning coach who we're both familiar with from our own teams. Um, in in Chris Jones coming back, of course, he's the last coach in Edmonton to win a Grey Cup in green and gold. Uh, or in his case, black. Um, but <laughs> it, it was just... You know, it's you know what you're getting with him. His defenses are always hard to play with. Um, even though how he left uh, the green and white wasn't obviously great, he did leave a lot of stuff in place that they were able to con- uh, remain being competitive. Plus, he did improve on them every year. So even if you're, so you can say that, yeah, he's not going to stick around, at least you know if he does leave with G. Roy Simon in place as assistant GM or associate GM and, and some... Um, good coaching in place you think at least at very least we should be set pretty well if he does go so there's still that optimism that we're going to have good coaching um there's you know we were probably uh stronger on defense now coming into 2022 offense is a question mark though so that's been really interesting but i was actually talking to andrew from the turf district podcast as well that the one thing is you could say it's the last two months almost nobody's talked about chris jones it's amazing. Or the players. It's all been about our new president. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point when, because Edmonton was competitive up until last year, even after right. he left. And Jones kid did kind of the same thing in Saskatchewan. They've remained yep. competitive after his departure. They just promoted from within. Yep. Jason Shivers takes over as DC, or yeah, DC. And mm-hmm. uh, Craig Dickinson takes over as head coach. And they've been in the hunt. Ever since then, how did you feel when they announced Chris Jones as the guy? And I don't want the, you know, don't... Politically correct, Eric? Yeah, yeah. How uh, did you feel? I was... I sort of looked at it as like, okay. Uh, because we discussed it on the podcast leading up to it. That, okay, 
this is a real possibility that he's going to be the head yeah. coach. Yeah. And if he does, let's try and figure out some of these positives because we're going to have to talk about it. And the more I sort of looked at the Saskatchewan situation where he left, but ever, all of his coaches stayed versus when he left Edmonton, the entire coaching staff disappeared. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought, okay, well, he was the top dog there. He was the GM and head coach for the first time in Saskatchewan. And, but when he left it, the whole core was still there. And I thought, okay, if he is announced, at least we know that if he does, or for some people will probably say when he does leave, we've got everything in position. And, and I think that's a, a really uh, a nice something that'll hang your hat on and knowing that there's a real good possibility he could leave. But I, was, um, I wasn't surprised. At all, because the more we got closer and closer to the announcements, the more I thought they need to have a win. We had a terrible attendance last year. I mean, it was announced at the twenty to twenty-two thousand mark, which for Edmonton is quite bad. Yeah. Um, but you had, I mean, you had the perfect storm where we had a terrible record. We had uh, COVID everywhere. Plus, then we had restrictions to get in, even in Saskatchewan, which has mm-hmm. been like get a ticket to a Saskatchewan game. It's almost impossible unless you've got seasons for years. Uh, you were seeing empty seats. And I think it's just because of that combination of there is COVID. So some people that have season tickets didn't want to go. And then you had restrictions to get in where you had to have a vaccination passport. And some people, I mean, when I did go to games, I saw the average age of the crowd had dropped by about 25 years. There were not a lot of people over the age of 50, except myself, uh, at the actual games, right? And I think that's because, I mean, I talked to my dad, and he has no idea how to do a vaccine passport. I had mm-hmm. to literally print it out, and he had to have it laminated so he could carry it with him so he could flash it, because he didn't have to work at phone. And I think a lot of these people maybe didn't. So you have these season ticket holders that have been there for 40-plus years. If they're not going, who's filling their seats? That's an interesting point, because... The CFL gets knocked for having an older fan base. Sure. And if they're not in the stands, then yeah, maybe, maybe there there was a drop in the average age of people going. I, I know when it, it went all digital tickets. Yes. There was a there was a lot of people that struggled with that. They don't want to have their tickets on their phone and still do. I mean, as a guy like you that does collections, you probably yeah. like to have the season ticket card i i I always loved it getting the season ticket book or the big sheet of tickets sure i love seeing the artwork or the pictures that it, and even when it comes to the gray cup scanning yeah. my phone going into the gray cup that felt weird and then there's it, no souvenir right so when you yeah. get home a lot of people might put their program which they don't make anymore and their ticket which they don't make anymore yeah. and something else maybe in a little frame and that would be a shadow box or whatever as a souvenir of the gray cup especially if your team's in it or, or you know touchwood wins yeah but yeah so i i think a lot of people I'm always terrified because, I mean, I work in IT. What if my phone doesn't work as I get up to the, the gate? You know, what if I go to turn it on and it's installing an update yeah. like Skype did just a few minutes ago for me or or whatever, right? Then what do you do? Paper ticket, plus I can just hand it to my, my you know, my mom or I could, my uncle who's in yeah. his 70s, you know, and it's like, here's your ticket. If I have to send him something and then over the phone talk him through how to put it on his phone and then use it, like, come on. Like, that's really tough. But like you say, the CFL average age is well in its 50s, right? So that's something they need to be considering. Also this offseason, the Elks introducing Victor Kui as the team president. And just a few months in, he's got other team fan bases envious 
of what Edmonton has, and they haven't even played a game. Like he, nope. he's been the guy for a couple months, and he's probably well. I think he is the most visible president in the Canadian Football League right now. His engagement with the fan base on social media, his engagement with other fan bases on social media. It is such a breath of fresh air in Edmonton, and his vision is huge. And uh, he he has said himself he wants to be one of the most successful uh, professional sports properties in the country, NHL included. He wants to fill Commonwealth Stadium again, just like the good – it wasn't that long ago. Was that 2009? Of course, the Riders were yeah. really good then. There were 63,000 people in Commonwealth Stadium. Absolutely. I mean, they couldn't even do it now because they've done the, redone the seats. Yeah, yeah. And then the, there's fewer seats in the stadium. But still, 63,000. Before that, it was, and I'll always remember the number, 62,444 at a game, the Labor Day in 2003. Um, but yeah, I mean, Saskatchewan always draws a crowd. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. Um, but to get 62,000 people in a stadium like that is an electric atmosphere. It doesn't matter who they're cheering for, right? So if he can do it, if anyone can do it, it seems like Victor Q is the guy. And, uh, of course, we had him on our show, and he's just one of those guys that everybody yeah. falls in love with. It doesn't matter who you cheer for. And I think the other fan bases that are seeing it know that the better other teams get besides their own, the better the league is. And the better the league is, hopefully a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So um, I also like seeing uh, Doman in, in BC. I think he's going to be doing great things. And it's kind of been interesting to me that these are both people of color, right? Which has been something that our board of directors complained about, that there was too many, you know, yeah. our fan base is built up of too many. I mean, he very poorly worded it, saying there's too many old white men in the stands, right? Um, he should have said that there's only the old white yeah. man in the stands. You know, we need to see more younger people, more women, more people of color, the whole thing. And I think having that start saying, you know, I'm a son of an immigrant, um, a visible minority, like let's come to games. And I think that they're going to start doing that and maybe build a model that all other franchises can follow. That 63,000 fan game, it's not like yeah. we're talking 50 years ago. No, like, it's like 13. Yeah, this is this is recent, and I, I don't. Was that the heyday of kind of the billboard wars? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the Especially writers, the, yeah, always take that billboard right outside, right outside. Of Commonwealth. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And then Edmonton started copying it. Right, they go to yeah. Calgary and they do the same thing. But oh yeah, the writers started it for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think part of it is that it happens in Calgary too. Yep, there is uh, this sense that. These green goblins come into our stadium. <laughs> we cannot let them win. So that's exactly. why I think I think it's a positive thing if there's more interdivisional games or within the division yeah. instead. Because yeah. I mean, it doesn't get the same excitement if you got Ottawa coming into town or Toronto. So if there if there is a unbalanced schedule, stuff like that I think happens with these regional rivalries that get so heated. Yeah, I mean, I'm old enough to remember before, like in 81, we started where you played everyone home and away, yeah, east and yeah. west. Before that, you only saw like two or three eastern teams a year, or in the, yeah, usually it's two, right? You'd play 
you oh. know, Cal, you know, Winnipeg and or not Winnipeg, uh, Montreal and Ottawa one year, and Toronto Hamilton the next year, kind of thing at home, and you play the other teams away. Um, and I thought it was great because you'd see Winnipeg three times. I hated Dieter Brock as a kid, absolutely hated him because he played us so well. Or you know, I was there at the Ronnie Lancaster his final game, right, where he came off the bench to beat Edmonton. Um, after you know he had been booed at, at Taylor Field the week before, right? I think Edmonton fans deserve credit for that. Like being classy enough to give the little general, you know, a good send off when the Ryder fans crapped on him the week yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair to uh, to the Ryder fans, like Edmonton had nothing to prove. We already locked up first place at that point. Yeah, yeah, have you been knocked true. into second, maybe, or, or even third? I don't know if there'd be a standing ovation that time, but yeah. I mean, I was what, nine years old at the time, so I didn't know. I was asking my dad, like, why are we cheering for this guy? He just beat us. Yeah, and, you yeah. Know, but that was a chance for him to explain what was going on, and, you know, about 50 years later, I get it now. So, um, but, yeah, it's just... I don't know, man. It's it's just one of those things that I, I'm really excited to see what he can bring. He talks a great game, and he's the first person to tell you. I'm just talking right now, and I'm doing some stuff. Wait till, we, wait till I actually do a bunch of things. And if it turns out great, then I'm, you know, then I can share the credit with my team. But, but, uh, you know, I haven't done anything yet. It does seem like the $99 season ticket promo. I think that was around family day. It was a big <laughs> hit. I, I talked to somebody over the, over the weekend, never was a season ticket holder, finally made the plunge at that price. How can you, how can you say no? That That's the, amazing. The double E egg hunt over yeah. Easter. That seemed like a social media hit. And I wanted to ask you about this, the Season Seat Holder Council. It sounds like yeah. something from Lord of the Rings or something, <laughs> the, the Fellowship. <laughs> I, uh, so I need to get a little more gray in my beard before I can be Gandalf. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that I, from what I've heard, and this is something that Victor had, had sort of alluded to, is that he has started empowering his staff, right? He's saying, all right. We're going to have all these things. Everyone give me ideas. And then if he likes the idea, it's like, that's great. Now you're in charge of it. So interact with people. Let's get uh, people feeling like that they're part of this again because there was, seems to be that disconnect where yeah. you have less people saying it's our team or my team. You know, we won last night. It was they won, right? So I think that him empowering people, then it matters to the staff. The staff aren't just a number and someone to crap on when you call because for whatever reason you didn't like your seats or someone behind yeah. you was kicking it or whatever, right? So, um, and, and they all seem really jazzed about it whenever I've seen some of them in person. So I, I really love that direction. That's awesome. I want to ask you about something on the field as far as the Elks go. Yeah. If you're a betting man, who is going to be the starting quarterback? <laughs> oh, that's such a tough one. Um you know, as much as they seem to have been shopping Nick Arbuckle with nobody taking him, yeah. I don't know that we have a shot. Cornelius, he's got a cannon of an arm, but he he just throws way too many interceptions, especially late in the game when the game is on the line. So I don't know. I mean... You've got a, a offense there with Jarius Jackson and Stephen McAdoo that know what they have with Arbuckle, but wasn't Arbuckle the only quarterback to beat Winnipeg there for the first half of the season last year? So, I mean, obviously he's got some skills. We saw them in Calgary. We saw them in Toronto. So I don't know why they are so cold on him. But if they can't get anybody else, I just don't see how you can go with, 
you know, Khalil Tate, who's never thrown a single pro pass uh, uh, as your starting quarterback on day one. Like even Ricky Ray waited till game four to come in, right? So <laughs> it, seems like, it seems like they're really high on JT Barrett from Ohio yeah. State, or at mm. least Jones is. And I, I think part of it is he wants his guy. Right. Um, but the money invested in, and maybe that's, that's just living with what the last regime did. I mean, the fact that they were able to invest that money in Nick Arbuckle when the next regime might not really be all that interested in him. They're kind of stuck trying to figure that out. And we've seen him cut guys after getting sizable bonuses. So that's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> and he's cut fan favorites, too, as people in Saskatchewan yeah. are well aware. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, without any real, you know, apologies for it. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying that Nick Arbuckle's a fan favorite for a guy, again, that's never thrown a pass in green and gold. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, you look at the six or seven, the seven quarterbacks we have yeah. on the roster right now, including a Canadian, no less, uh, in Mike Beaudry. Um, but if one guy has all the reps and the most positive reps, I don't know how you can not have him at least penciled in as the starter going into camp. Well, and that's, uh, that was his legacy almost in Saskatchewan too. They, they never right. had the quarterback. He tried from what I've heard, he was close to getting Bo Mitchell into Saskatchewan. He was right. close to getting some other, but he never could. And maybe that was the one hurdle with, because the defense at times in Saskatchewan was, it seemed like outscoring the offense. Yep, 100%. <laughs> I was more excited to see. I've never, yeah. in my football life, when the defense came out of the field, I was like, yes, we got a chance. <laughs> the funny part is the CFL rule is after um, after you score, you can kick off, right? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, after you're scored on, you can kick off. Right, so right. you don't have to take the ball. <laughs> maybe Maybe they should do that more. We'll see. <laughs> I wanted to bring this up with you because it's something that we have in Commonwealth Stadium as well. The big center speaker hanging over the yeah. field. Just down the QE2 in Calgary, the, the news this week is that the McMahon Stadium Society has said the center speaker's coming down. I'm kind of worried about what that looks like uh, yeah. because to match the rest of you know, McMahon Stadium, they might install some crank speakers in the corner to replace it. Yeah. Like but uh, Edmonton still has that big behemoth hanging over the field. How long will that last? I mean, that's a tough question because um, they're talking about going a little old school in a few years and maybe installing natural grass again at Commonwealth. Really? So, yeah, they're looking, I mean, in, is it 2025 that they're talking about FIFA? World Cup in 2026, yeah. 26, I believe. 2026. So yeah. so, yeah, they're talking about natural grass coming back, which would be amazing. I mean, Toronto being the only team now, but we had mm -hmm. it for years, which is great because Dwayne Mandrusiak would water it before the other teams got here. So <laughs> there was that sort of <laughs> mythical feel about it, right? And players love to play on it because it yeah. extends their career, right? So maybe we'll get some of these older vets wanting to come back because they can get another couple of years out of their knees if they're playing on grass for most of the games. But some more mileage off of that. I thought yeah, that was a that speaker was, note from Calgary. Yeah, I, I heard about it about two hours ago today yeah. that, that was happening. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> I don't know what they're going to have up there, but yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll just have everyone carries a little Bluetooth speaker on the field while they're playing. <laughs>
just a few more things. Uh, the CBA discussions are ongoing yeah. right now. It, it is amazing this this offseason for how quiet it's been. I don't know if it's a happy accident or if it's mad genius that fans have been arguing about all of these rules that really right. haven't been <laughs> it's like all speculation. None 100%. of it. <laughs> but that's the last couple of years, right? Oh, the XFL yeah, and CFL yeah. are going to merge. Nobody ever said they were going to merge. They were going to see about doing working together some synergies. All of a sudden yeah. it turns this this mob mentality. It's what do they call it? The uh uh the where you think you heard remembered something and everyone remembers oh. it the same way and uh yeah, and it, it didn't actually <laughs> In that way, and I think that's almost what's happening. This sort of mass hypnosis, where everyone seems to think we're going <laughs> to remove the ratio and we're going to do yeah. all this stuff. And I'm like, who actually said that? Was that Marty York again? Or <laughs> there's a little name from the past. There's a free one, Marty. <laughs> well, the big discuss, and it seems like there is actually traction with this one. They are keeping the discussions pretty quiet between the PA and the league. And it doesn't look like they're going to get rid of the ratio, but it might be reworked. And I think one of the things that seems to be getting some traction in those rooms is the naturalized Canadian. So say right. an American player, for example, plays in Edmonton or Calgary for three, four years, he can count. As a Canadian, and that obviously is good for, I think, so many reasons. We'll keep sure. a guy on one team. He'll probably get to be paid a little bit more, closer to the Canadian brethren with that supply and demand issue that we see right now in the league. Yes. And fa and hopefully, you know, work in some continuity because I don't think the players yes. really want to get rid of the one-year contracts if they're going to be having no guaranteed money anyway. Right. I, I, I can't see that going away anytime soon. But correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. CFL historian, this naturalized Canadian thing isn't really a new thing. It's happened before, right? Yeah, I mean, it was different back then in the sort of, I think, 61 to 65. They had a naturalized Canadian rule. Uh, Roly Miles qualified as a naturalized Canadian. Uh, Johnny Bright did later in their careers. But it was they were literally naturalized Canadians, like legally speaking, outside ah. of football. Um, whereas here, it's you have to apply. And I don't know the ruling of, the, sorry, the wording, like would someone who is with the team, leaves, and comes back. Does that count, or does that be three years in a row, four years in a row? Uh, I right, don't know. Right. But, I mean, I'd want them to have to put in that they have to live there year-round, maybe, like become part of the community to sort of qualify. But, I mean, people are freaking out about, oh, my God, how are they going to have all these guys fill this? I'm like, do you know of a team that doesn't have at least three guys that have been on your team for three years, or like three Americans that have yeah, been on your team yeah. for three years or more? Like, every team's got them. They may not be starters, but they're, you know, these guys. The only thing I worry about is the ratio is not based on someone counting every head, every play, and seeing which ones are Canadian. It's based on, you know, you're allowed 20 Americans on the roster plus your quarterbacks, and four are um, designated imports, so they can only be replaced another import. So that's 16 guys for 23 spots. That's seven spots left to use your starters. That's those are your Canadians, right? So that's how they figure out the ratio. So when you start putting in naturalized Canadians, that might mess everything up. So I'm interested to see how that works. We're still getting towards the end of April here. So they got some time to figure this out. Sure. 
I feel like the last time we were in this situation, there was more venom <laughs> in the in the media a little yeah. bit. Some more news about how far apart that they were. I don't get that same sense this time around. And I, well, maybe Mark Tressman, uh, in a now deleted tweet, yes, said all of this rule change stuff is just distraction. Uh, why are we worried about? Th- well. And maybe he's got a point there. Yeah. Maybe it is distraction because, like you and I already spoke, uh, you know, the lack of fans showing up last year, that might be the bigger issue here than than what's happening as far as the rules go. How do we get fans in there? And I, I think I just think rules are such a small part of uh, bringing fans into the stands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Again, with that perfect storm of COVID and then we have a vaccine and now we've got two classes of people, whether or not you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, and then you can get in, but you have to be able to show by murking magic on your electronic device to show that you're vaccinated. Like, it's just a lot of barriers from getting people in. And in marketing, they always talk about making it easy to make that sale Mm -hmm. or getting those people through your doors, whether it's a brick and mortar store or or a stadium. And I think that they've, starting to get a little more handle on, okay, we got to do more promotions of this stuff. And you're seeing the Elks doing that, like promoting it and getting people there. Okay, now I've spot, spent 99 bucks to buy this season ticket. I might as well be going to some of these games and hopefully we'll see more people in the stands. If it works, you might see Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. I mean, not Montreal as much, but Toronto and Vancouver, who have a lot of those empty seats, start doing whatever they can to say, okay, hey, Help us promote our team so we can have more people in the stands. More money for the players, more money for the owners. It looks better on TV. I think it just it's a win-win-win to get more people there. Superfan Mike from the Turf District podcast joining Two and Out this week. And the show is brought to you by ATB Financial. At ATB, we make banking work for you by offering both expert and practical advice in saving, budgeting, and paying off debt. And though your financial situation and the economy may change over time, you can be confident that your money is safe and secure with ATB. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough. Because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit ATB.com. Earlier this week, it was confirmed John Mechie III wins his second consecutive John Cornish Trophy as the best Canadian playing NCAA football. That guy's a monster. I don't think we ever see him in the CFL. He started 13 games for the Roll Tide. And 96 catches, 1,142 yards, eight touchdowns before tearing an ACL in the playoffs and missing the playoffs. So that's tough for him because he's probably not going to be able to play football this year. And that's rough. Uh, a rough time in his career to get hurt there. But that means the draft is coming up here, ooh, just a couple weeks and a few weeks after yeah. that. It's training camp, baby. You betcha, man. And, and two drafts on the same day. Yeah, the global draft and right. the uh, Canadian draft. Canadian draft, of course. And, I mean, the global draft, I think, of uh, the fellow in Edmonton. That, what's he got, a chocolate store? Is it a coffee yeah. shop? What's going on? Oh. Yeah, Diego Viamonte. So he was the very first draft pick, the first overall guy yeah. out of the uh, LFA out of Mexico. Uh, phenomenal guy. 
He's now, uh, he and his family now live in Edmonton year-round. Wow. They have a place called CH Cafeteria, which is a little plug for them. Um, I, I, we loved going there all the time. Um, my better half is there probably three or four times a week. <laughs> I got to tell you, the chocolate is phenomenal. We'll get you some for sure. Nice. Do, you like, do you like milk or dark? Because they got both, and it's all well, homemade. Actually, I like both. <laughs> Perfect. We'll send you a little sample my, back. My, my wife is milk, and I'm the dark chocolate. Well, nice. I usually just take what she doesn't like. I'm just that's. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and he's just a really good guy with really great perspective on everything. Uh, uh, you saw across the league, a uh, lot of people, not just Edmonton fans, talking about how they were disappointed to see him get released and never really get much time on the field. Um, and for a guy that didn't play a lot, that's a lot about uh, what a, his character was. And yeah, I wish him all the best if he's deciding to go out of football, but if he's still trying to get in, it'd be tough cheering for him in different colors. But, uh, you know, we'll still uh, we'll have our Villa Montes jersey at home. But that's uh, that's the stories that uh, I think maybe we as podcasters and the media need to tell. Yeah, um, there are guys that make a lot of sacrifices to play the game in Canada, especially if they're not from here. Right, and the way they get involved in the community that is that is so so valuable. And I mean, he's contributing to the economy. He makes great right. chocolate treats. I mean. That is such a cool story. I'm glad we're able to. You were able to share a little bit of it here. Um, Super fan Mike from the Turf District Podcast, a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network and the Alberta Podcast Network. It's true. How's your uh, podcast schedule looking like for the rest of the off season? You doing the bi weekly thing and then going weekly right away? Yeah, so we go bi-weekly up until training camp, and then we just go weekly at that point. So, I mean, we're talking, what, three weeks? So I think we have one more bi-weekly episode, and then it's, yeah, back to a weekly uh, podcast. So it's going to be great. Is Edmonton doing it, the camp in Spruce Grove, or what are they doing? No, it'll be a Commonwealth again this year, in, in uh, starting on May 15th. And hopefully fans get to go for, like, what, the first time since 2019? Yeah, which will be great. Um, I know that we had uh, Victor Kiwi on and asked him directly, and he said that's going to be something he has to talk with the coach. Um, but the other problem is it's a city-owned facility, so it's there. Uh, yeah. So once we get that sort of nailed down from uh, Alberta Health, then if we get the green light, trust me, we'll be there. Awesome. Hey, thanks for uh, jumping in for Brazilian Thai this week. Absolutely. You get a little bit more air than him, and that's okay. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> All over. Yeah. Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.